Welcome to the Learning Exchange, where L&D and HR professionals can dig deep into the ever-changing landscape of online learning and talent development. Each episode, we'll explore innovations in learning and discuss best practices with special guests from inside and outside the learning world. L&D is evolving, and the Learning Exchange is here to help you keep pace. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Learning Exchange. On today's episode, neurodiversity in talent and training. Are you familiar with the term neurodiversity? Well, if you're not, let me provide a quick high-level overview. Neurodiversity refers to the range of differences in brain function and behavioral traits found in people. There are a few different subcategories to uh, kind of further refine this idea of neurodiversity. For today's topic, really, I want to highlight neurocognitive variation specifically, which is those who have varying degrees of cognitive abilities and neurodivergent variation, which are those that have um, whose brains actually function different than those who are considered neurotypical. Now, when we get into neurocognitive differences, these differences can include individuals with autism, ADHD, dyslexia, Tourette syndrome, anxiety, OCD, depression, and more. It can also include people who are typical with neurocognitive functioning, but may have some neurodivergent uh, attributes. So I share this because it opens up a really, really important topic. And uh, this topic is really how are our businesses equipped to help neurodiverse population really be set up for success? I think for too many years, there's been a really, really big gap in the hiring practices, which have led to uh, employers making some assumptions that may or may, may or may not be valid. Um, that someone isn't a culture fit or isn't a fit for the job just because they behave differently. They might speak differently or think differently than the hiring manager or even then maybe the company footprint. Um, instead, we should challenge ourselves to recognize these differences don't mean that they're not a fit by any means. We've, we really have to challenge ourselves not to rush to judgment and to take the time to really explore further all aspects of an employee or a potential employee. Now, in learning and development, we've talked for years about different styles of learners, but I don't recall ever exploring this dimension of neurodiversity in context of that learning style conversation. I think we've historically lumped everybody into the same bucket, meaning we have kinesthetic learners, we have visual learners, we have interpersonal learners, we have naturalistic learners. But when was the last time that you really considered accessibility as part of the learning conversation when we think about learning styles and our learner population, um, especially for those who might be differently abled through their neurocognitive abilities? It can be said. Um, there is data to support that there is no direct linkage between a person's intelligence and neurodivergence, meaning I might act differently, doesn't mean my intelligence is any less than anyone else's. 
My brain may operate differently. I may think differently. Doesn't mean I'm less smart. Doesn't mean I'm less capable. Just means the way I get there is a little bit different. Um, it's also really shocking that neurodivergent employees may not even be covered under the American Disabilities Act, depending on the specific circumstances. But that's a topic for another day. For today, we really want to think about how we can enable neurodiverse talent to be successful in our company. Usually, when we're thinking about accessibility, we limit ourselves to 508 compliance, where the focus might be on captioning for hearing impaired employees or alternative text or colors or even maybe alternative images for those who have visual impairments of a wide range. But what about all the other employees that aren't fitting into one of these buckets, maybe those who are neurodivergent in one or more ways? There's a few different things that we can consider in order to make the best decisions to support all of our learners' needs. We've got to start really by considering the environment, making sure that we are designing an environment to consume the learning where we can be free of distraction, free of competing priorities or um, concepts. We need to make sure we've got all the knowledge areas covered in the base training, but then think about how we can add options to expand the learning conversation for those who need it, whether it's in the form of extending to on-the-job training, maybe it's peer mentoring, coaching, maybe it's job shadowing. We shouldn't let ourselves fall prey to the one-size-fits-all approach because we are not all the same. Some employees, as an example, may not need the on-the-job training as a way to help them fully commit the knowledge and really understand how to apply it. Others might need on-the-job training and they might need job shadowing. Um, so we've got to figure out the best ways to allow people to uh, signal what they do and don't need. And the technology can help us adapt. We can think about maybe assessments or pre-assessments to help identify in some of these areas. It should be our challenge to really examine every scenario and try to build as flexibly as we can to adopt to the variety of needs that are found within our learner population, not just the learning styles, but really taking into consideration all aspects of neurodiversity as well. Now, there are a couple of things that I can, just tips that I could impart on how you could begin this journey. Um, it starts with asking for your learners to name their learning and communication preferences as early as possible in their journey and give them a mechanism to update you should those things change. Now, it also is worth saying that in order to, to make sure that they can do this, we should also be putting a lot of energy toward creating a safe space for individuals to self-identify. Being different and or having different needs shouldn't be a big deal. We should always strive to open this dialogue for every learner, not just those that we believe or suspect to be neurodiverse. So finding a way to create a safe space and build trust so people can signal to us what their intention, what their needs, what their preferences are, is definitely a first step to take. Now, we should also really be thinking about ensuring that we're providing coaching support during the learning process, kind of hearkening back to that 
earlier statement, one size fits all really doesn't apply anymore. We should maybe think about considering how we could supplement our learning programs by making a coaching buddy available for a neurodiverse talent that signals a coaching buddy might be a value add. Um, in a tactical perspective, from a visual and auditory perspective, consider the visuals that you're using in your training. Be very consistent. Make sure that you're keeping a color palette that doesn't have really strong contrasting colors. Maybe think about reducing animations and movement where possible. Um, here's a little tip, just because we as learning and development professionals and trainers like all of the tips and tricks that we can use, we like all of the fun animations and motions, sometimes it can make it really difficult for our learners if we truly understand all of their needs and the considerations. Similarly, from an auditory perspective, we should make sure that we are making smart choices around um, the usage of background noise and music and sounds so that they don't compete with learning. And what I mean by this is it's probably a good idea not to have uh, music playing in the background while you have someone speaking um, or while the transcript is playing. Uh, try to find ways to make sure that everything you're adding is complementary and not competing. So the moral of, of today's topic is really that we should always be plugged in to what our learners' needs are. Too often we can get caught up in the fast pace of business and change, and we can forget some of the basics. Always ask yourself, am I building based on what the learner's needs are or based on what I believe to be the best way for me to teach the information. To subtle question, the response can drive very different results. Too often it can be easy for us as the builders of the content to fall into the trap of building it the way we like to teach it. But we do have to reconcile whether or not the way we like to teach is in alignment with how all of our learners need to learn. Thank <laughs> you.